When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, welcome in to uh, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, UAP, episode number 16. I am Stephen Diener. Over there is Karen Curtis. Hello. And hi, Karen. <laughs> and we have uh, a lot of good stuff to get to here today because if you heard the previous episode, we kind of teased the government. It all kind of sounds cliche when you say well, the government and conspiracies and cover-ups, but there is some really intriguing things that when it comes to the government and their possible cooperation stories that you may not have heard before when it comes to how much do they know and how much have they actually been working with <gasps> aliens themselves aliens on the inside of the pentagon hello and how much are Gorilla. there actually you know different products the military uses to go by when it comes to when they come across different things like that so well, they used to have them but then they purged them Yes, so there's... there's we have a copy of it. Oh, of course we do, because that's what we do here Don't on UAP. <laughs> so, a lot to get to here on this subject today, but first, Karen, do you normally have like a little tidbit, any factoids today before we start? I do. We just witnessed William Shatner, a.k.a. Captain Kirk, fly successfully to the edge of space. That's right. The final frontier where no man has ever gone before, only he did it on television multiple <laughs> times. But he did it today, actually, as we're recording this, and right. he's the oldest person to go into, oldest astronaut, he's technically an astronaut. Yeah, that's true. Oldest astronaut to go into space. Yeah, 90 years old. So that was really cool to see, like I said, as we're recording this, he went up today, so we can say today. Um, so that was really cool to see, you know, the whole Captain Kirk angle and his cover of Rocket Man and things like that. So, <laughs> he said cool it was see. unlike what they described it. He said it was just amazing. I, yeah. I, At 90, it's pretty amazing that he did that. It was 11 minutes, four minutes of which he was weightless. He experienced zero gra gravity. He could take off his harness and float around a little bit. Right. You know, that's pretty good for oh, him. Oh, amazing. Maybe we'll all get to do that one day. Yeah, he beat out Wally Funk. Yeah, that's right. Wally Funk when Shuna went up on the first Blue Origin flight. But it she was... was uh, 82. Yeah, I think so. And But, you know, that's something that I suppose uh, maybe different government officials or aliens have experienced before oh, yeah. on their way back and forth from Earth. And, you know, you might be wondering, what... What if these these military personnel, what are they told, right? Say you're just starting. Say you're in the Air Force and you're just starting and you wonder, gee, you know, you goof around with your buddies. Oh, what if we come across aliens or UFOs? What's the protocol? Right. Well. I mean, what's the protocol for just Joe Blow who's wandering around and stumbles on a 
an aircraft that's crashed and it looks like a UFO, like a, you know, Area 51 type of situation. And then all of a sudden the black helicopters and the black trucks start gathering around you. Because last week we talked about those girls in Brazil. They thought this guy was either the devil or an alien who crashed. Mm -hmm. That's right. It does happen. Right, the uh, Varginha incident, if you want to go back and listen to that on episode 15. Hairless, sweaty, red-eyed, three-armed person. Not good, not good. So that was uh, definitely, it's it's the most famous case in Brazilian history. If you haven't heard the the previous episode on episode 15, South America and Unexplained. Um, But when it comes to this, you know, we started wondering, well, gee, you know, are there actual protocols? Well, yes, there are. There's an Air Force document that isn't widely publicized, so it's it's kind of hard to find info, but that's what we're here for. Well, the Huffington Post actually asked about it in right. uh, 2008, and it, after they asked it, and I guess they submitted a FOIA, Freedom of Information, mm-hmm. uh, the UFO section was completely erased. Yeah, it's interesting because when this document first originally came out, if so, first of all, it's called Air Force Instruction 10-206. And in the original instruction booklet, if you will, um, manual, there was instruction there. It's it's a known fact. There are different you know, witnesses to this, that this is what they were taught on how to handle an alien crash site. UFO, UAP, on how to handle that crash site, how to report it, who to, you know, what superiors to speak with, things like that, how to, what you should and shouldn't touch. Yeah, Air Force personnel on what to do when they encounter any unknown airborne objects. Correct. So that was, uh, it was there. Now it's not. So it makes you wonder, they think, well, that wasn't supposed to go out to the public. And then they kind of took it out. But that was something that has been taught to the Air Force. I'm sure it still is. Maybe more of a covert way. Maybe not out in the open like they had in that instruction manual. Again, 10-026 if you want to do your own research on it. Um, But yeah, it is something that we can confirm. The Air Force, branch of the military, was actively teaching, instructing their, their, their pilots on what to do when you come across, when you come across a, a situation like that. And they put it in writing. Now, you might recall one of our previous episodes, we were talking about UFOs in 1969. They terminated the Air Force's Project Blue Book. Right. And so, you know, they weren't really talking about it. And then we started doing UAP because you have been just totally immersed in this topic for years and years and years. That's and true. then the government came out with their report that since 2004, it just recently said, yeah, there's been at least 150 UFOs that have been cited, and they validated it. That's right. So when they, we kind of saw the opportunity, well, I guess we should start talking about this stuff. Maybe people won't look at us like we're crackpots anymore. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's go ahead. I mean, they Speak still do. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> they still do, but for other reasons. But you, know, you, you make a good point, Karen. When it comes to Project Blue Book, that was the official government study into UAP, UFOs, all these different sightings. And officially, it went off the books in 1969. They told people that they stopped investigating. The government no longer is investigating the UAP phenomenon anymore as of 1969. Well, that's obviously a lie, um, considering that they just did a whole entire investigation. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's always... There's always some type of investigation or intrigue or interest from the U.S. government when it comes to aliens and UFOs and other worlds. We have up at the website, A50WFTL.com, under our UAP blog, the 2008 version of AFI 10-206 that referenced UFOs on page 37. So you can look at it there. Good. And then it was... 
taken away once the Huffington Post said, hey, wait a minute, what is this? Right. <laughs> and they what? said it with the British accent as well. <laughs> uh, the military essentially shut the book on flying saucer research and they concluded there was nothing here, nothing going on. Um, and that's not true. No, no, gosh, no. And now we know that for sure, because even they, the government themselves, with that uh, congressional investigation, like we said, came out you know, a few months back and said, yeah, well, there are things that are unexplained and... Uh, you know, we don't we don't know what they are. So, yes, of course, all of this has really, I, I hesitate to say proven to be true, but you can't say it's not true, right? right. <laughs> we, we, we can say that. And when it comes to the instruction manual itself, yes, that is true. That was in writing. So, again, I can't stress it enough. The Air Force had instruction to its pilots on how to handle UFO crash sites and any recovery efforts and superiors to report to. It's pretty significant. Like, yeah. why would they put that in there if none of it is real? I mean, they were told if you came across anything that you don't recognize, right. note altitude, direction of travel, speed, description of flight path and maneuvers, what first called attention to this object, and how long was the object visible and how did the object disappear? So basically what you saw. And um, the eyes in the skies and on the ground were commanded to treat a UFO as if they had just seen a missile, hostile aircraft, or unidentified submarine. Hmm. And all the details were required to be included in a report to NORAD, oh, the good North NORAD. American Aerospace Defense Command that tracks Santa right. and protects uh, the airspace over U- the U.S. and Canada. But So the Huffington Post, as I said, in 2008 made inquiries to the Air Force about the UFO directives, and a spokesperson said he'd, I'll arrange an interview with an appropriate officer. Hmm. And before the interview was set up, the 111-page instruction manual was revised on September 6th. Huffington Post asked on September 2nd, 2008, and the UFO instructions were deleted. Four days later. As were the other portions of the document now shortened to 40 Pages. And that's true that it is 40 pages because I was actually reading through. I know that's what I was doing with my free time yesterday. I was reading through Air Force Instruction uh, Manual 10-026 and <laughs> I realized, hey, this thing's only 40 pages. And like you're right, it was 111 pages. Now, maybe that's some, some of this, you know, taking away 71 pages has to do with there's just less to go over. Maybe they streamlined some things, different protocols. Protocols always change in the military, so that could be some of it. But you can't deny that they did take out the UFO instruction part. It's just gone. Yeah. Wow. That's scary. And they and it didn't, it's not like they took it out because oh we made a mistake we didn't mean to include that they took it out after the Huffington Post called them out on it. <laughs> we want to talk to someone about hey uh, this yes. uh, instruction manual. Yeah, there's so many weird things going on, and then there was something called the Majestic Twelve. Right. Yes, yeah, so this kind of connects to all of that because the Majestic 12, so to give you a background here, Karen, um, the, Ma- the Majestic 12 was supposedly, supposedly a group that was made up during President Truman's uh, top secrets, you know, investigations into UFOs and all that. So that would have been 1947. Right. So we're looking around 1947, a couple of years after. Roswell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the, you know, when Roswell, cra- the Roswell crash, um, two years after the war ended, you had the atomic bomb and everything in Japan. So, I mean, this was a truly all-star cast. Yeah. So again, according to the theories, this has never been, 
definitively proven, but you have people who swear by this, who say they have inside information, whether it's family members or close friends or relatives who say, yes, this was real. You were talking people like... Uh, now, it's not the Magnificent Seven. No, no. It's the Majestic Twelve. The Majestic Twelve. And we're not yes. talking about the p- apostles. No, 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 not those. <laughs> no, Paul or Peter here. But we are talking about the Bushes. Yeah, there's a Bush in there. There is. Uh, Vanover Bush. James Forrestal, who is the Secretary of Defense, I believe, and also, yes. I mean, you're talking... You had the CIA guys in there. Right. Defense, outstanding scientists, military leaders. And how about Hoyt Vandenberg? Vandenberg Air oh, Force Base, ring a bell? Oh, sure. So, you're talking the top military brass, top Russell scientists. These were, these were huge names, and we'll have the names also on, on the blog on 850WFTL.com. We search UAP on the podcast section. We'll have the names on there, so you can look through it and be like, holy cow, these are all the guys that were supposedly part of the Majestic 12, and it's... Uh, it's it's a little eye opening, you know. If if you want to buy into it, and Johnny Manziel, no, no, Johnny <laughs> Manziel, not Johnny Football. Um, it's but it is something that kind of makes you think. Well, if a group like this was going to exist to investigate UFOs, it would make sense that names like these would be involved. These were pretty big names at the time. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. But of course, Karen, of course, you're not going to have, you know, government agencies come out and say, oh, yes, the Majestic 12 was real. Oh, they're not going to go in lockstep. Exactly. You know, you're not going to have them coming on saying, yes, this was real. We had a secret group called the Majestic 12 that may or may not have, you know, evolved into the CIA and other secret organizations. Let me guess. It was the FBI. (laughs) The FBI. Ah, Yes. The FBI. Oh, they come out and say, well, we've debunked this. This isn't true. There's no documents to prove that this group ever existed. So therefore, this entire theory is false. And completely bogus. Exactly. So that's their words. An you elaborate can, hoax. Right. You can make up your own mind on who you want to believe or what you want to believe. And that's what we're here for. We're just giving so you now, the, the, the details. Instead of blaming, you know, aliens and UFOs, we blame the Russians. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's a Russian hoax. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. But the but, first four directors of the CIA, they were supposedly... In this group, the wow. first Secretary of Defense, like we said, James Forrestal there, and all the big you know, scientists and military leaders were all supposedly part of this, this group and cover-up because part of the mission, supposedly, allegedly, of the MJ-12, as they're called, if uh, you shortened Majestic to MJ, they called them MJ-12, uh, one of their main goals was to cover things up, not only to investigate, but to find out the truth and then cover it up and use the technology for the U.S.'s own military exploitations, if you will. Well, you know, we talked about ancient aliens as well, and we love Giorgio Sukalos. He sat down with an investigative journalist. Mm-hmm. She, by the way, she looks like she's... Like, 500 years old but anyway that's all right um (laughs) maybe she's an ancient alien she thinks uh, and goes over the most informative leaked majestic 12 documents in this clip that i'm about to play do you know what an ebe is yes actually i do but i I can let her explain that's do you want do you want me to say because i think i cut it out and don't have it in there oh okay she talks about ebe's it's a um extraterrestrial biological entity that's the one (laughs) (laughs) um so here she is talking with giorgio 
that we are dealing with collaboration, that there must be some agreement between the United States and the extraterrestrials. Possible contact may take place as a result of overtures by the entities themselves. In these instances, it is anticipated that encounters will take place at military installations or other obscure locations selected by mutual agreement. And she's reading from a document about EBEs from 1954. Right. And we've talked about this. Yes. And this goes back to actually around the same time where we had a a different episode. If you want to go back, you can always go back and search the previous episodes of UAP on Apple, Spotify, or 850WFTL.com. You can find them all there because we had an episode called Presidents and Aliens. And that we detailed the meeting of then President Eisenhower, a supposed meeting anyway, between with the Nordic, right? With Nordics and with uh, Greys um, out in uh, California. So I believe in the Palm Springs area. But not a Venusian. No, and we'll get to those in a little while. Thank you for, for mentioning that. Um, that's that's the kind of our highlight for today. You'll it hear, is. You don't you, want to miss it. You'll hear that in a, in a few minutes. But this all the timeline works here, Karen. You're talking 1954, right? That document, that specific document she was reading from, from you know the Majestic Twelve supposedly, talking about how we need to meet up with the aliens, determine a meeting place, talk about all these different things, you know, technologies and whatever, and that falls in line on the same timeline with the meeting that Eisenhower supposedly had with the Greys and the Nordics. Or he went and had his cap replaced after That's right. he bit onto a he chicken a tooth. wing. Yes, that is the official response from the White House is that he chipped a tooth as to why he went out in the middle of the night randomly to an Air Force base. Right. That's correct. So, but it is, <laughs> it, it's just one of those things that makes you... It makes you think twice, you know, when it comes to you start putting the pieces together. Well, I found interesting about that, too, with the document that she read from. That was, again, a document given to her from different family members who said, yes, my family member was part of this secret organization, the MJ-12. And she was able to match up with people who worked in, uh, you know, these military bases where the document may or may not have been typed up. The way that the ink was on the document, the way that the letter U was placed matched up with how other things were typed up on that typewriter that would have been used <gasps> no. at that time. And she spoke to the guy that, the, you know, I guess you could say typist, is that is that the term for it? Who would, you know, was in charge of doing all these documents. The transcriptionist. Yes. And uh, you can tell we don't use typewriters that much anymore in 2021. <laughs> and he basically confirmed to her and said, yes, the way that you is placed, that happened because uh, the dust, the way the dust settled on the U key and made it kind of off-centered with all the other ones. And it would frequently happen with all the documents he would type up. He's like, yeah, so that actually matches a document that would have been printed here. At this, at this base, at this installation. It's like the, the, the book Misery by Stephen... Uh, Stephen King? Yes. The letter N didn't work on Paul's typewriter, so he had to write it in in his transcript for Misery. Oh, Paul, I've read everything of yours, but the Misery novels. It's wild, though. So, I mean, there's actual forensic witness evidence here, anyway, that this document seems to be the real deal. And if you are going to believe from the different testimonies that this is, the, you know, this document is the real thing, then you have to believe what's in the document, which is talking about cooperation between the U.S. government and aliens. I mean, my gosh, from 1954. So I mean, even President Reagan was explaining and talking about that we need to address this. And, and he did. That's true. And, you know, 
venture into the idea that there may be extraterrestrials out there. Right. And I think that this next topic, I mean, this guy is either George Hamilton <laughs> or he is valiant Thor. He's this good looking guy. I Boy. Mean, you have to see his picture. Yes, we're going to have the Valiant Thor's picture on the I website as well. I love his name. Oh, yes. I'm Valiant Thor. Well, for those of us who were good friends of Valiant Thor, we called him Val. Oh, okay, Val, Karen. Yes, me. yes. So there's... <laughs> let's, Val Thor here. That's right, Val Thor. So who the yeah, heck... Who the, yeah. What the heck? Who the heck is Valiant Thor? Why are we talking about comic books? No. So what this is, in case, so if you haven't it's heard not it, like the Thor with the big hammer. No, we're not talking about you know Chris Hemsworth and Marvel. This is something that goes back to 1957. Um, a man that came to be known as Valiant Thor. He looked like an actor, and he's really tan. Good-looking guy, very, good very looking. sharp dress, nice you know slick back hair, things like that. Just really, uh, really good appearance about him. And he came, again, this is the way the story goes. I'm just repeating the story. That's what we do here. He shows up in 1957, and uh, his goal was to talk to the leaders of the world and talk to religious leaders of the world and make their presence known. So who's they? Valiant Thor, according to the stories, was a Venusian, which is somebody from Venus. A Not from the surface, though, from inside the planet. Correct. So, and by the way, Venus is, as I told you in the first episode, is the number one mistaken right. UFO here on Earth. We see Venus and, oh, look, it's a flying saucer because it makes weird it's seen like at sunset and sunrise. Right, and it's true. It's strange. And it's very bright. So he, his claim was that he came from Venus. His The civilization that he's from lives inside of Venus, like you were saying, Karen, because on the top of Venus, it's not yeah. very uh, welcoming. Habitable. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently, you know, the story goes, he goes to the Pentagon and he's talking to the leaders and all they cared about was technology. How to reverse engineer all your technology for military use and things like that. And he's saying, no, I'm offering you solutions to your problems. I'm offering you how to achieve world peace. So he's like the antithesis of our mankind. He Correct. doesn't have any fingerprints. Right. No palm prints. His hands. He says those are marks of man. Right. And then he's very attractive. And, you know, unlike mankind, he's less violent than mankind. And he was here to protect man from himself, specifically from nuclear destruction. And they didn't want to hear it. Right. He wanted to talk to governments powerful governments he wanted to talk to people at universities and anything any university or college of merit he also wanted to talk to religious people like he wanted to talk to the pope right and, and the one guy that did have a religious background did speak with him um and frank chile is just talking about him but uh he's talking about the guy that actually met him and i've got sound of the guy that met valiant thor and of frank chile describing the Beautiful. meeting and here is um the story Apparently, they had a photo of him, and the mm -hmm. guy was talking about Valiant Thor, and this woman walks up to him and says... At the end of the lecture, people were crowding around him, asking him questions, and a woman approached him and said, uh, Dr. Strangers, I need to talk to you immediately. And Dr. Strangers said, well, I'm with some people right now. Can you wait? And she said, no, I must talk to you immediately. So he excused himself from the other people, and he went into the office, and she said, the photograph of the person that you're showing is asking to meet with you. And she said, I have an um, assignment to bring you to the Pentagon. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to pick you up at o'clock, 8 o'clock, and 
you're going to be meeting this individual. And he didn't have any clearance, but he still got in. And you heard him talk, this guy wants to meet with you. Right. At the Pentagon. Now, Valiant Thor also didn't have the fingerprints and the handprints, and he also could see through walls and go walk through walls. So Correct. He could, they couldn't contain him in the Pentagon. Right. But he stayed there. He but stayed he could there. Leave. He can come and go. And he, they say that he always got a kick out of how they would kind of keep him there in his own room, and he thought to himself, yeah. I could leave anytime I want. You know, they're using human technology to keep me in here, and he could just walk out if he through wanted walls. to. And he had a weird dialect not spoken anywhere on Earth, um, but an extreme attractive. I think I've said that five times now. I think you have. Oh my goodness. And, and you can be a judge of that because again, his picture will be on 850WFTL.com yes. on the UAP blog to search on the UAP podcast. The a color and a black and white. That's right. Uh, and the clip you heard there was from Frank Chili, and he was on, what was it, I think the Jeff Rents program. Right. And he was describing uh, basically his encounter with the name you heard there, Dr. Strangest, which I know it sounds, this all sounds fake, right? Dr. Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange Thor. love, right? I, like, oh my God, what's happening? I swear this isn't a Marvel story, but it just so happens that they called him Valiant Thor. And this is 1957, okay? Comic books with uh, with Thor. I'm not even sure if Thor was a character yet. You might be comic book oh, nerd yeah, and be yelling right. at me and saying, when you talk about Thor came out in 1950? I don't know off the top of my head. And he was bisexual. Really? No. Interesting. Okay, no. no. Oh, that's not true. Okay, I was going to say, you didn't. You know a fact I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that only happened recently. Oh yes, yes. I, the Superman comic, I I see now. And then so aside from that, um, and again, the guy that you know was at this meeting that uh, Frank Chili is talking about is at this conference with pictures of Valiant Thor. That's Doctor Strangest, and he was kind of you know enthusiast about all this stuff, um, an author, and looking into everything. The comic book stuff does beg to question Thor, and then you've got Superman who can see with x-ray vision right there's all these things that are kind of mirrored in comic books of what we're talking about it is interesting because now superman i know did come out before 1957 um so you know again maybe somebody's making that up because oh you know let's give him superman's powers when we talk about him i don't know now dr strangest there was the guy in the conference and they told him hey we want to take you to meet this guy that you're holding up the picture of because he wants to talk to you. I mean, could you imagine? No. <laughs> and he had no clearance. He walked in with this woman who was with the FBI right behind her and they let him in. But apparently um, Thor, Valiant Thor, arrived in Virginia in February 1957. Right. And he was offering solutions to disease, poverty, right. engineering tips. Uh, he, won, he was a guest at the Pentagon for three years. That's correct. And Dr. Strangis, uh, he says that they couldn't contain him. They couldn't lock him up. He could escape whenever he wanted to. Um, and apparently, even his suit prevented laser. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, laser. again, that um, the, the U.S. government, the you know Pentagon officials were just more concerned about how can we use you for military technology? How can we use you to win wars and things like that? Instead of them saying, oh, oh you right. want to end poverty and, and bring peace in the world? That and, won't be good for the economy. And, and that's actually right. And it's that was actually, well, supposedly a quote from Nixon. And um, I mean, how much money did we spend on our military? trillion dollars oh my gosh and i believe it was nixon was the vice president at that time and they're like no this, this isn't good for the economy if we fix all the world's problems what <laughs> yeah, no. We, no thanks a lot then guys we need government if we don't have problems right that we can create uh so what's interesting though about the mark of mankind the fingerprints and stuff right th- listen to why valiant thor doesn't have them and there's a person standing there wearing a suit 
and he turns around and starts walking to, to Dr. Frank and extends his hand. He says, Dr. Strange, it's very nice to meet you. And he said, my name is Valiant Thor. So he, he shook hands with him, and he looked down, and he noticed that this person didn't have any palm prints or any fingerprints. He said, mm -hmm. smooth as a baby. Mm -hmm. And he said, how come you don't have any marks on your hands? And uh, Valiant said to him, palm prints and fingerprints are the mark of mankind. We do not have that. Mm. And Dr. Stranger said, well, what do you mean you don't have that? And he said, we never stopped walking with the Lord. And he said, what? That really, he said, we never stopped walking with the Lord. And it completely we took Dr. Stranger by surprise. Stopped, stopped walking, walking with, with the Lord. Lord. Uh. Right, so again, that was from the Jeff French program when he had on Frank Chili, uh, who, was, who was describing all this. And so that makes you, okay, wait a minute, what does that mean? <laughs> like, I know when we first heard that, we kind of took a step back. And just like you heard in the program there, the host, Jeff Rentz, was like, wait, okay, that's interesting. So if you want to believe this story, if you want to buy into some of this story, maybe parts of it, maybe all of it, then you have to ask yourself, so is the Venusians were also created by God? So I guess like, <laughs> they... they, they can go commit a crime and they will never be detected. I don't know. Well, see, they won't commit crimes so they walk with the Lord. I see the way maybe. <laughs> the way I took that is and now look, you know, I'm not gonna get into religious beliefs and all those oh, different the mark things. Of mankind. But if you want to look just toward the Bible, just using as a theory here, if you want to look toward the Bible and the story of Adam and Eve, okay, this is just the way I took it. And you think about well the you know the story of, of original sin and Adam and Eve being tempted by the serpent and eating the apple from you know the tree of life and breaking God's commandment so that means that we're not walking with the Lord. So does that mean that the Venusians, the people living in Venus, like Valiant Thor, did they keep God's commandment? Are they living in paradise? Oh, they didn't eat the apple. They didn't eat the apple? Is that what that means? So, and maybe that's what, again, if we're going to believe this story, maybe that's what Valiant Thor meant by fingerprints on the mark of mankind. We, we still walk with the Lord. That's just my theory. So again, there was never that that comment from Valiant Thor, that supposed comment from it was allegedly made by Valiant Thor, was never explained. So that's just me kind of theorizing. It makes sense in my mind, but if if you're looking at you know bringing in God and well, creation, I guess then we have original there you sin, go. We can never walk with the Lord, right? So I mean, and that's that's where you know you start to talk about redemption and all those things, but. Uh, that that makes sense to me. Maybe they didn't, if you believe the Bible stories and everything, maybe that means that they didn't break God's commandment and eat from the tree of life, so to speak. They didn't eat the apple. It's all intertwined, and Valiant Thor wanted to talk to religious leaders, leaders of countries, and also academics. And this is Dr. Strangest yes. in his own words That's about right. meeting Valiant Thor. He told me his name was Valiant Thor. He grabbed my hand. His hand was skin soft as a lady's or a baby's skin, but it was a grip of a man. And we spent 30 minutes, mostly me asking questions and he giving answers. And he claimed that he was from the inside of the planet that our Bible calls the morning and the evening star, the planet Venus. He said yes. Mr. Thor was at the Pentagon for three years, mind you, and he was going and coming at will. He was brought to the President of the United States, Dwight Eisenhower and Richard Nixon, offered to give them information on how the American people could successfully live without sickness, without poverty, without disease, and without death. They told him, we're sorry that we cannot accept the information that you're freely giving us because it will ruin the economy of this nation. 
Well, sir, a commandothor left on the morning of March 16, 1960, on the outskirts of Alexandria, Virginia, where his spaceship came down. He went into the spaceship and disappeared from sight. Unbelievable. <laughs> and just like that, so three no, years no, no. spent. We don't, we don't want to get rid of disease. No, why would and we? death. No, 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 no. That's bad for the economy. How about just side note, how about that organ music yeah. there in, the, in that what, clip? What would doctors and morticians do? Right. I mean, it is an interesting thought. Again, we just present the stories to you. You decide if this is you know real or not in your own mind. But if you want to, let's just go with everything that we've heard here on Valiant Thor is 100% fact. Okay, let's just use that as our, our ground right now to move forward with a theory here. And that if he's there talking to them and saying, we have a way, we have the technology, we understand how to end disease, how to end poverty, how to give you peace on earth. And you are presented with that as a government official, as president or vice president, and you say, "Now nah, we're good." Yeah, now we're good. Because that's gonna that's gonna change our way of life. We like we the the elites here in Washington. We like the way things are because people have to depend on us, and we have power because of these things. So if you take these things away, well, what happens to our power? What happens to our government system and things like that? It's just so. It's infuriating to think. Well, infuriating. Can you imagine Valiant Thor going back to Venus, to the center of Venus, and telling his people, the Venusians, yeah, well, I went to Earth and I, you know, told them that we had solutions for everything. And you know what? They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want it. And when it comes to talking to uh, religious Those leaders. stupid Earth people. The, <laughs> when it comes to talking to the religious leaders, apparently the story goes uh, when he went to the Vatican because he got to speak to some officials at the Vatican. They kind of told him, you do your thing, we'll do our thing. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, the you know. Pope said yes, like, we, okay, we get it. We both have the same God. Oh, that wouldn't be good for Catholicism. But we don't really feel like Sorry. explaining this, so. We like, to, we like to have them living in guilt. I just... <laughs> Oh, it's all too true. So they can tithe. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing, though, isn't it? Like... It, even on the Vatican end, okay? And yet, look, for, for this subject, I will readily tell you that I am a Catholic. So, yes, he's our resident Catholic. Yes. So when I'm it, a Lutheran. I don't have the Pope. The, I just go right to the big guy. Right. So when it comes to the Vatican part of it, I feel like I can speak on this in that imagine being in that position and saying, no, we want to hide the truth of other life on, on other planets because we've, we don't feel like explaining to everybody, well, yes, God created life here on Earth, but he also created life on Venus and on Zeta Reticuli and wherever else. And then people start questioning and thinking, well, if God created all, all over here, then how many worlds are there? And, you know, how many beings are there? And so I feel like the people who run the world, essentially... <laughs> Didn't feel like complicating things they and didn't just kept. Want to start answering questions. They kept the status quo. Yeah. Unfortunately. We can't go down that rabbit hole. And which it would explain why Karen, all of this to begin with, yes. has always been covered up yes. over centuries. You just can't go there. <laughs> I guess not, huh? You mean you've had you've you've had a cure for cancer this whole time? Right. What are you talking about? Right. Exactly. So I I, I often wonder because I've I've known the story of Valiant Thor for years now, and I often wonder. Um, I wonder if he came back, if he ever wanted to come back when he left. No, he probably went, I'm out of here. Did he just shake his head in disgust and like, man, screw you guys. <laughs> You're never going to see me again. I tried to help you and you, you turned me down. You can't teach stupid. Oh, gosh. It's just so frustrating. <laughs> but that is, uh, again, that story is, uh, is, it's a whopper, you know, as we normally have it here on the show. A, it's a whopper. 
Uh, next week, we want to talk about Devil's Tower. If you saw the movie... Uh, Close Encounters of the Third, Third Kind, Kind, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is that thing? So, <laughs> it's one of those uh, famous landmarks because we all we've talked before about Stonehenge and Easter Island, the pyramids, you know, the usual things when it comes to oh, it's aliens, um, but we don't really focus enough on landmarks in the United States yeah. that might have connections to UAP, UFO phenomenon, and extraterrestrials as a whole. So we're going to focus on a few of those next week, and one of them being the uh, spot there from Close Encounters of the Third Kind in what, Butte, I think it is? In Butte, Montana. In Butte, Montana. And other spots, like did you know, Karen, that there may or may not be secret caves in the Grand Canyon <gasps> with proof of alien life? No. And no one is allowed in. Of course not. <laughs> Why would they be, right? Because that would, ups- be, that would upset the status quo. There might be an answer to world peace in there. God forbid, right? Yeah. It's just so frustrating. Nice. But you can hear this and all the other episodes of UAP on Apple, Spotify, 850WFTL.com. Make sure to search out UAP on 850WFTL.com to see all the pictures and photos, everything from today's episode and all the previous episodes as well. Yeah. You have to see the picture of Valiant Thor. Yeah. You mentioned he's very good. You did mention that, yes. But I look forward to next time right here on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Karen Curtis over there, Stephen Diener over here. Talk to you again next time. Thanks for listening.